Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. We are in the Rejuvenate studio in Duluth, Georgia. And in this episode, we talk to Ken Andriano of Atlanta Country Club. He's on the USPTA Southern Board. He's been president of the GPTA, which is the Georgia Professional Tennis Association. And Ken has some credentials, so we're excited to talk to him. With me today is my co-host, Bobby Schindler, who joins us from the undisclosed location where he lives with his lovely daughter, who evidently knows quite a bit more about how to use a microphone than Bobby does. Bobby, how's it going? Having a great day, my friend. Very excited because not only is Ken loaded with credentials, he's also a very good friend of mine. And I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. And today's tennis tip comes from Ken himself. So be sure to listen carefully since it's toward the end of our conversation. And remember, if you have a tennis tip that you'd like to share with us, we always love to hear from coaches, players, or anyone who thinks they know something. So send us an email and we'll take a look and maybe we'll feature your tennis tip on the show. So now we'll get to our conversation with Ken. We just came up with a new segment we can, <laughs> yeah. we can bring you in. So what does 40% chance of rain tomorrow mean to you? 60% chance it's sunny. Okay. I like the positive <laughs> nature. Yeah. I've, I like that. I changed everything. People go, it's like 80% chance rain to go, but it's 20% it's not. That's true. 20% chance is going to be a nice day. But in your mind, in the back of your mind, you're mm -hmm. planning on making your calls and there's some office work. 80% in Atlanta pretty much means it's raining in most hey, of the... Hey, you, you know, I mean, with me, it, it is hard because as soon as you do that and you decide, hey, I'm going to have an extra beer tonight because I'm not going to have to worry about it. It doesn't rain. Yeah. Yep. Right. So it's like, and then I have people going, you know, like, do we cancel this? Do we cancel that? Said, I don't cancel in the threat of rain. I cancel for rain. So, oh, and then right. when we get all those really cool ones, I, I send out the emails or we get a lot of rain. I'll send the emails. Hey, if you see animals lined up two by two, send them my way. I'm building the ark. Yeah. Every once you in know. a while it's, we're done. We'll, you know, we'll see you, see you in a couple of days. See you 2022. I got my, the only formal reprimand in my career, which means I was working for a corporation enough to actually sure. do formal reprimands. I was at TPC and I was up late at the club stringing rackets. And I had like 12 rackets to do before Thursday morning ladies. And there was a 100% chance of rain, according to oh. the weather people, 100% chance of rain by 7 a.m. So yep. I thought, you know what? I'll get in at 10. I had two more rackets to do. One of them was one of the ladies supposed to play at nine. It never rained until mm -hmm. about noon. And when I strolled in, it was the phone call. Hey, Sean, where's that, where's that tennis racket for? I, I didn't do it. I just didn't do I I believed the there's weather. no way it's absolutely <laughs> gonna rain. 100 percent chance or, it's not my fault. It was a hundred percent. Zero percent chance of not raining. Zero percent chance. Yeah, well, I should have should have just done it. I can't tell you how many times we've had it here where it was like an 80, 90 percent chance of rain. You know, it's gonna come in at, at six in the morning and then it comes in at eleven in the morning and we get our nine thirty in. Yeah. You know, or we start at ten thirty and we know and we see the radar, but can't you gotta start. Yeah, exactly. Just in case. 
Exactly. And that's yeah. probably even tougher on a traveling coach. So you're mm. either at the club or you're not and it rains or it doesn't. Mm. But for some, especially me, we're in different locations. Yes. So Windermere, where we run one of our tenant under programs there, it could be raining and coming, but not in Duluth where we are. Yep. And then Definitely not right. raining in Decula. And I could be running another program. I could have one coach on court, another court, not on court. I got to decide where I need to be. But Atlanta's yeah. fun that way because you, especially in the summer, you, it's more of a, a certain area gets rain. Oh, I have people but, call me that live the in car. the neighborhood. I have people call me and live in the neighborhood go, it's raining here. And I'm like, it's not raining here. And it's literally a hundred yards away. Yeah. So, yeah, I, remember, I mean, I remember growing just, up the first time I experienced that. that. Yeah, it's fun. It to, is crazy, uh, but it, it is helpful clear. though. When, when not only do I, am I here, I have full-time pro shop staff as well. Um, plus my, my head pro. So we're actually, you know, you know, you're here, so it's easier for the members. Sure. If you got somebody answering the phones, they can look outside and check the courts for you. Absolutely. I like it. So always there. if we, if we jump into the questions that we were sure. uh, looking at learning more about you, okay. if I just said the question that we sent was who are you and where are you now? Okay. We're not necessarily going to do a big background on you specifically, but if yeah. you were to give me your elevator pitch, if you were to okay. say in you know 30 to 60 seconds who you are and where you are now, what you got? All right. Well, I am a USPTA certified pro. Um, found my calling, I think, for the private sector, being in private country clubs about 15 years ago. Uh, when I was running an academy in Rochester, New York, uh, and I realized I was doing a lot of outside sales in that regard. Um, and then I found a, a great job at Greensboro Country Club and, um, and that kind of found my niche, went from Greensboro to Atlanta and just been kind of working my way through. So. And at your club, we've had an interesting year, I would guess, at least. Yeah. Uh, almost to the day we're in record as we're recording this it's early March 2021 but early March 2020 everything changed what happened <laughs> what happened in your world and give me a few minutes on sure. what worked what didn't work did you shut down when did you open back up what's the uh, what's the story with, with that's, your, a, that's uh, a great question I, I you know gosh we just getting started without the season this week and that's the first we did with our practice was say hey it's a year ago today that, that we got the call and all heck broke loose and we had to make the call to say you know out to shutting down so my first thought was we got a hold of all of our our players and said we're going to continue team practices don't panic so my job was to reach out and be that calming force um we weren't going to shut the club itself down um what we you know get for, uh, right away but we kept the golf course open we kept the tennis courts open, but we shut down the clubhouse, the pro shops. So what people were able to do is walk on the golf course and we're able to play on the tennis court. So at first we're like no team lessons, all that stuff was gone, but they were allowing us to do private lessons, semi-private lessons uh, and for people to come out and book. So I was fortunate, more fortunate than some clubs because I know some clubs shut down completely. Uh, Republic parks all shut down, not no playing. Um, but what we did is we were able to take nets down in every other court, people playing. So what my job was as the director was to, number one, reach out to all my members and say, hey, listen, everything's going to be okay. We're still going to have some things to offer for you because I know you're going to get stir crazy. 
and we're going to do it in a safe way. So getting all my safety protocols together. Number two is I reached out to every director I could find in Atlanta, and we all formed a really, really good group uh, of, you know, where are you at? What are you doing? What are your safety precautions? Because what I wanted to make sure that I did was I was not waiting for my membership to come to me and say, what are you doing? And for my committee to come to me and say, well, what do you think about this? I wanted to go to that. So, um, you know, like I said, we're very fortunate. We, we shut down, I think, for a couple of days at max. But other than that, we, we stayed open. We were able to stay open with some pretty good uh, safety protocols. I like that. I love the fact that you called your friends. Yeah, absolutely. Call, absolutely. Calling your peers and saying, hey, guys, let's get together, not just as, as a single voice so we can, we can do the similar things, but what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. let's talk about this. Let's figure out what have you learned? What have I learned? I know mm-hmm. some of my coaches still have slightly different safety protocols than what I yeah. personally run, or that what I typically would say, do it this way. I have some coaches that are more strict mm-hmm. than, than I would have as a minimum expectation. Bobby, do you have a similar, similar response at your club? We shut down. We were closed mm-hmm. for two months. Just and it, was that a GM March, level decision? The GM, GM said decision, you're done. HOA came back. Our, our HOA president is a lawyer, and he mm. was liability based with his decisions. And we shut down for two months. Two months. So if I'm a member, I can't go play on the tennis courts, or you just weren't running operations. We weren't running operations. The tennis courts right. were essentially. I mean, we put the crime tape up to try mm-hmm. to stop people obviously but people still <laughs> usurp the, the the crime tape but it would nothing was sanctioned it, if you chose to do it there was nobody policing it so you could go out and use the courts but we were not doing any program for two months wow yeah we shut down because we were working in the schools specifically ankle biters extracurriculars all of our programs basketball martial arts chess everything obviously the schools kicked us mm-hmm. out and oh, yeah. we weren't we weren't going in there either. And in the same way, I still have people coming to me now saying, hey, are you going to pick back up our operations? And I say to them, typically, I don't want to go into a school right now. I don't feel comfortable. So I'm certainly not going to ask my coaches to do something I'm unwilling to do. Absolutely. But I think that was more of a, an indoor with lots of children kind of setting. You guys are in that outdoor club facility. Are you you have your water fountains, things like that are still shut down, operational. What's, where are you now with getting back to normal, Ken? Well, we, we do, I, we've been following cause we are a big golf club as well. So we've been, we've been trying to work together with what the golf course is doing. We did, we have the igloo coolers that we change out and we sanitize every day. Um, but we had them off for a while. We took our benches off. We took scorecards off. We took everything that anyone could touch. Uh, anytime we we're on court, we would bring sanitation wipes out there, or sprays for people. Um, you know, we are now at the point we're full operation. Pro shop is open. Um, we do have the coolers out there. We we are limiting a little bit of the seating in the pro shop. We're trying not to have as many people inside. Uh, we did redo and rebuild our deck. It's a beautiful deck. Costs us a lot of money to do it, uh, which allows people to spread out so that it helps for viewing. I think the struggles I had, and I'd love your input on this too, was right away when this happened, the PGA went out and, and, and put an announcement out that golf was safe, get out and do it. 
And the USTA went out and did the complete opposite and said, everyone shut down, right? So what we're finding out now is if you look at which world of the sports is safer, it's tennis. And that was one thing that we fought. Um, you know, my board came to me and said, what do you think? I was on board calls four or five times a week. And what I noticed when I told them, and I said, there is a recommendation that I don't agree with, but it's not necessarily you have to, because we are able to put these safety protocols. And again, that's why I wanted to hit the ground running, working with my peers, working with smarter people than me and saying, hey, what are we all doing? This is what I'm doing. What are you doing? And that's how I think we all came up with some good safety protocols. So I could give it to them first, because I feel like if I didn't have those in place and they came to me, they would have shut us down. Sure. And Bobby has talked about golf versus tennis previously about which he thinks is safer. <laughs> well, I think one thing we haven't mentioned, we haven't given credit to Ken, is that he is at one of the nicest clubs in the metro Atlanta area with the Atlanta Country Club. It's gorgeous. It's a wonderful tennis facility, a beautiful golf course, wonderful pro shop, wonderful fitness center, all in that area. I've had the pleasure of working for Ken out there and enjoyed my time immensely. And it was important for Ken to take the lead because he is at one of the, the banner clubs that the community looks to for answers. And it was great that they did maintain the protocols for even when we were going back live and, and I fought it for a month before we actually did it. You know, they started looking the other way for a month before we actually went live with programming again. It mm -hmm. was because of the clubs that were already up and running. That's a powerful tool to be able yeah. to say, we're not, the Atlanta country club is open with it, you know, their membership and we're not going to be open. Okay. We'll open. So it, you, you like the, the guys in the Ken's position to take the lead. Appreciate that. And you're always welcome back, Bob. I appreciate that. People still asking about you doing a great job. <laughs> Making a name for himself. I like it. Yeah. But yeah, we, we do, we do look to the most well-known clubs mm -hmm. and at some level we take our cues from that. We have similar conversations with the guy that isn't at the country club, that isn't mm -hmm. going to say, to, going to have the opportunity to call his peers and his peers are directors of tennis that have been in the industry for years that probably have some guys at the USTA and the USPTA on their cell phones to be able to make those phone calls and ask questions and kick ideas around. The guy that's just kind of watching the, I call Joe Tennis Pro, mm -hmm. that comes around and says, yeah, I can... I can go teach. I'll be the guy that's out there when nobody else, when nobody else is, everybody else shut down. I didn't see that. I saw that tennis really took this seriously. Mm -hmm. And even as Bobby and I agree, we think it might be arguably a bit safer than golf even because there's less mm -hmm. common surfaces. But in this case, we saw a real respect for the, for the client. Mm -hmm because we're one-on-one -on -one with that. Now I haven't spoken with any golf instructors to find out if they had a concept of, yeah, we can still do our lessons. We can still do things like that. It was more, we were comparing tennis instructors and in our operations to golf courses, not golf instructors. Mm. So I, I thought there was a yeah. bit of an apples and oranges scenario there that we said, well, mm -hmm. golf courses are open. I'm like, well, sure. But that's a different thing. That's like saying, tennis courts are open, but yeah. we were the guys that are the coaches. We're the ones that make our livings on a tennis court. We mm -hmm. weren't necessarily calling the golf pro. No, you, you, you know got what? a chance to speak and, to them is why I bring that up. You got a chance to talk to the yeah. golf pros at your club and in the industry 
I'm curious what the response was. Yeah, you know, I mean, here at, at, at ACC, they, the golf course was open. They were not doing an awful lot of golf lessons, but they don't do as many lessons as we do. You know, as a, the big difference I've known is from being at a lot of different country clubs, as you, you find that, especially that, you know, as a tennis director, depending on the size, you know, with my membership, we have 450 um, members, right? So they hired me. I'm a teaching director, right? There are some directors that have a huge program that they just, you know, like Beth Clay over Cherokee does a wonderful job. They don't want her on court a lot because she has a lot of other responsibilities, a bigger program. They want her to manage it that way. Um, so a lot of golf pros, a lot of head golf pros are more in that type of mold where they're not teaching as much as they are running the shop, running the programs. I think with our golf pros, they want, they were there to be that calming force. They were there to make sure everything runs smoothly. Um, you know, they would do lessons, but their lessons never stopped. Right. Again, we kind of followed the lead with our, with our golf course, just like a lot of other clubs did. If, the golf course shut down, we would have shut down. It didn't matter how safe they would have thought we were. They, they would not have been, they wouldn't allow us to go. So we were very fortunate that that stayed open, which allowed us to stay open. Uh, so in that case, you actually don't get to make that decision no, for I, yourself the decision, at we, the, the decision of whether we stay open or did not stay open was completely board related. Okay. It was completely went through the board. And, you know, so that's why it was very important for us to put those safety protocols out to go ahead and make sure we, we addressed it to them and not, I needed to be very proactive in the situation. And, and I think Bobby, remember I, I had, I had sinus surgery um, the first week of Alta, the Wednesday before the first match. So I got out of surgery. I was completely drugged up. Right. So on a Thursday with the first match, I got my staff in place, which did a wonderful job. And then all of a sudden my phone blows up all heck race loose. Right. And I'm just like, and I, and I told her, I got to go to the club. She's like, yeah, right. Yeah. You're so, I mean, I'm on oxy or whatever I was on. I, I couldn't even see straight. So, and, and I'm like, but my first thought was, okay, I have to reach out to my membership to let them know I'm here and let them know it's going to be okay. And I got to start working on this, this, and this. So that's all I did from basically Friday to Monday to get these out. So I had everything ready. So as soon as my committee asked me or my GM said, what are we doing? Here it is. He said, hey, can you do some research? I said, here it is. He goes, you already did it? I said, of course I did. Right? This is because why, that, that, this is I why you're director of tennis at I, the Atlanta know, Country Club. <laughs> yeah. Our, well, our job, you know, I realized at, at this club, because this is a high-end private club, my job is to get all the information I can to give it to the people who are spending the money that will make the decision to help them make the best decision possible. Not... It doesn't have to be my decision, but it has to be what the best decision is. Now, the more I do that and the more I'm respected, they respect my opinion. Absolutely. But it, that's exactly what it is. It's my opinion. Sure. So, and that's good that, to be able to know that. That's, the, that's the, the humility. Yes. That tennis pros are not exactly well known for. No, you, <laughs> I always say, and I think Bobby and I talked about this too, whenever I, I interviewed and I was interviewing for my head pro position, I, I, I said to everyone who's here, I said, listen, I just want you to know, there's a lot of different types of tennis professionals out there. There's tennis coaches, there's tennis teachers, there's tennis professionals. Okay. And, and they're all different and they're all good, right? You got to find your niche. My thing is, is if you want to be a good tennis professional at a country club, you cannot have an ego and do it. You have to have confidence. You have, you have to believe in your skills 
right? When you go out there, cause they, you know, they believe it. You have to be extremely caring because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I, someone told me that before and it stuck with me and I bring that everywhere I am. I like that phrase. Right? So I think you have to have that. If it is all about me, I will never succeed. It always has to be all about them. When you have a membership, it has to be about them. It's yep. not about you. I like that. It is. And, it, and if we do our job properly and they enjoy their experience here, how could we not have a good time? Sure. And if I interject real quick again, because sure. Ken's being humble in this respect, not only is it, is it about your membership when you're under his roof, it's about the people that work for him. And mm. it was a pleasure working there because it was, you hate to say easy, because yeah. when you walked in, you, you got your lesson plan. You knew what mm. you were going to do for that day. Ken was confident in your ability and he gave you a script to go from. It was a blast. And it was a lot of fun. So you, there's a lot of impromptu because the bases are covered. You know mm -hmm. what you're, you're speaking about as far as meat and potatoes. So now it's time to be creative. And, yeah. you know, it, it just, he created a, a great culture for everybody involved in the tennis program, which makes it a fun place to be. Thank you. Thank so you. So in that, in that case, if we're, if we're not quite finished telling Ken how awesome he is, Oh my God. I know. Right. A minute. Hold on. You, my head's getting big. Do you, I gotta do you want to bask in it for a second there, Ken, and just enjoy it. <laughs> well, um, he still serves get... in volleys too at his age. I mean, Nobody that blew my mind. Volleys. What are well, you talking does. about? I don't Forget know if it's serving volley. I think it's stumble and fall. I think oh, it's serving really fall forward. to get older. Yeah. 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 It's like my buddy said, it's a, it's a serving stroll. I go, it's more like a stumble and fall. I don't know. You're just going to get there. Oh, that's funny. So, the next question then, since uh, we think Ken might actually be in the running for quote, king of tennis. Oh gosh. If, if, and I'm not putting you too much on the spot because you knew this question was coming, but if you're king yeah. of tennis and you can decide if that's king of the world, king of the United States, or just king of Atlanta, mm -hmm. this is Atlanta focused right now. But if you are king of tennis at whatever mm -hmm. scale you view it, is there anything you'd change? What would you do? You know, I, I would change. There's a couple things that I would change. I was thinking about that question. It's a great question. And uh, one is, I would love to see doubles prioritized more on TV. I think for the reason is most tennis players are doubles players, and especially in Atlanta. You're looking at Atlanta. It's Alta, and Alta is all about doubles, right? So you will have some people that play singles, but you are limited in playing singles with your physical attributes, right? You get to a certain point, like it's, it is more difficult for me to go out at 50 years old and play singles at my level and be able to move the way that I need to move to do it, but I can do it better on a doubles court. So I think it doubles has been minimized when you look at it in television, you know, even in college, you know, they, they don't, it's like, okay, they play three, three lines and, and it's one point, right? I, I want to see each one count. I want to do that because I think more players, it's easier to get out there and it's more enjoyable to get out there and play doubles sometimes than it's singles. Because tennis is such an individual sport. Um, I love to see, I would love to see coaching more integrated into it, being able to do that, being able to help people that way. Cause to me, that's the love of the game. Uh, you know, I, I think what I would love to see is I would love to see people appreciate a lot more of what you're doing with the ankle biters, with the younger kids. Um, you know, I, I think when we get out there, people think too much about, Oh, I'm not, a, I'm not a tennis pro because, you know, cardio tennis is not, isn't, it's not teaching. 
It is. It's getting people to to love the game and enjoy it. If you have a racket in your hand and a ball, and I couldn't care less what color it is, and you're out there having a good time, you're growing the game. A, a true tennis professional grows the game, and, and we share the love of what we do, right? And that's why I said earlier, I go back to it and say there's so many different levels. And my biggest advice is, and what I did as, as president for USPTA Georgia, was I wanted to, to see how, how you maximize your skill set, right, to figure out your path. It was all to me about pathways. Do you, you want to go into what you're doing, right? To where Bobby is running his programs. To me, as I say, the private sector in the country clubs, right? So you have a certain skill set, right? My skill set may not transfer to be able to do what you're doing and be as successful as you are, right? And other people's might not be able to do what I do. So find that out and try to figure it out. There's so many different pathways we can go in this business. So for me, it's more about a, a, what I would change is, change how we educate people to get into that pathway. That way we could share more of the love of the game. So would you suggest almost a specialty? So as you go to college, so right now mm. I had someone describe it to me. We've got a few minutes, we'll, we'll wind it up quickly. Sure. I had someone describe it, it was Daryl Lewis back in the day. He said, and I don't, I I don't know it. that this is true, but the comment was if PTR is graduating college, USPTA is your master's degree. I'm like, mm. oh, okay. He was, I think he was just pushing me in that direction yeah. to get that certification. I said, okay. So I went and got that one, but there was no, what kind of pro are you? What kind of pro do you want to be? Do you have a career path? Do you have a major mm -hmm. or do you have a minor? Do we have major in elite level tennis for juniors? And then I minor in cardio or do, are you suggesting that we consider a more specific training when we do from a USPTA point of view? Well, I, I think what we're, what I'm suggesting is I'm trying to figure, I, I would like us as a governing board, right, for USPTA to do a better job. And I, and I we have some really good people on USPTA Southern Board that I'm part of. I'm very fortunate to be part of it that I think have a really good vision on how we're doing that. So every educational um, conference that you go to really needs to be for all those different people. Because I know there's a lot of people go, what's the point of going here? It's not going to help me teach more lessons. Right. I want to I want to learn what's on court. Well, it's all individual. We got to target it. Right. I don't know. It's about especially I, I don't think you can come out at, at 18 years old and know exactly what you want to do at, at 20 years old, 22 years old. When I was teaching, I couldn't I wouldn't want to do what I'm doing now. It took me years to figure out where I needed to be. But it also took a lot of good mentors. Right. That I was able to talk to that helped me guide in that process. So I had I had a, a conference. It was a and in Atlanta Country Club, and I had someone from uh, Greensboro Country Club, Tom Cascarano, who came in. I had Heather Silvio, who runs her own management company, right? And I had Joe Ambler, who was from, um, he was from the YMCA, right? So it's, a, it's a, a public place that you can join. You had the private club, and you had someone who was a management company. I asked them all the same questions, right? They answered all the same questions, right? And then I had a Q&A at the end. And what I told everyone is, I want you to think, there's, these are three different pathways, which one interests you the most? Now go find them and talk to them. And that's why I think we as that governing board, we need to be out there. We're doing a mentorship program for USPTA. And for the first year ever, it's awesome. We actually have a mentorship award. We're recognizing someone for their mentorship. Oh, and nice. I think that's extremely important because we need that. Because the only reason we know more and the only reason I know more than some other people is because I'm older and I made more mistakes. I learn more because I, I've done more. That's it. And, and if I can help give you some information to help guide you in the path that you think you can go to, 
that's what I think we need to do. That's, I would, I really think it's more about that because everyone thinks about conferences as I want to go and see what, what's your favorite encore drill. Cause it's more exciting. Yeah. That's but interesting I, because I don't, I don't go in thinking anybody's going to teach me anything yeah. about a new game. Cause is, is there that much new under the sun? Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to know what's really interesting. What has been successful yeah. for you, but also yeah. I'm looking at guys that are beginner related or kids related. And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily going to be something that other coaches, like you said, are going to even care about. A exactly. lot of co- most coaches don't have no interest in working with preschool mm-hmm. age kids. Yeah. And I specialize in it, which is nice because it's a niche and I can make friends with guys like you, guys like mm-hmm. Bobby at Windermere that we can do those things together and say, you know what? We don't have anybody that does that. Sean's the expert, or I need somebody yep. to run a club. Maybe Sean's not your guy because he's really good at this other thing. Yep. So I and love I, that I, a lot. I, no, I think that's good. I mean, because you, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at it and say that's fantastic. That's not what where my skill set fits. But that's fantastic, and we need that, right? We need that. I, I went to was funny. I was in uh, Charlotte doing a presentation, an encore presentation, and it was it was entitled "How to Help Players Face Your Fears." Because again, my biggest clientele that I work with is our Alta teams and mostly women. And so you're looking at that, you know, 3 to that 4 4 4 5 level and what do we work on, right? So as I'm doing that hour and 15 minute presentation, I had Tom Cascarano who I worked with. He's one of my mentors and someone I, I really enjoyed working with. And I'm looking over and this guy, Toby Curtis, who I know really well as well from the Greensboro Country Club. And, and he's just on his computer the whole time. I'm going, well, he must be bored. I'm like, this is what I'm like, I must not be getting any energy. And, and Bobby knows I like to have some energy on court. So I'm, I'm sitting here going, do I need to bring a little bit more? What am I doing? So I talk to him afterwards and I'm doing a Q and A. And when I get off the court and I go talk to Co- Toby, I go, Hey, you look like you were falling asleep there. Right. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Oh, sorry about that guys. No worries. Sorry about that. Right. So I, I said, yeah, it looked like you were falling asleep there. Toby goes, no, he goes, I had my whole season's lesson plan set out right from that one presentation. And what I always say when I go out there is, Hey guys, it's fun. So let you know, this works for me. This is proven successful for me. If it works for you, it's not the only way to do it. I said, but if you can take something that I'm doing today and you can incorporate in your program for success, that to me is a win-win use it because everything I've learned was something I took from Bobby or I took from Tom or I took from Dave Dvorak or I took from, you know, Toby Curtis, you know? So, uh, you know, that to me is, is the willingness of sharing is what changes, uh, which separates, I think us at the USPTA and, and going to the conferences. Yeah. Maybe we just stick the sticker on that says when you, when you get certified with the USPTA, like you don't know everything and you never will. Yeah. (laughs) Bingo. Take a deep breath. Remember the rule that somebody else is going to know something that you don't already know. Yep. And be good with that. Yep. I think filter. that'd be uh, that'd be I good. Have a good filter. Our, my last presentation I did, and I, I know we got to get running, but I did yep. it with Tom Parks over in Raleigh, and I did it again in Nashville. And uh, unfortunately, Tom couldn't be there at that time. I did it myself, and it was a it was an interactive on court. And what it was was quick fixes for your club player. So when you're on court with your, with your players, right. And they say they're working on something like a serve as a pro, we have to see it quickly, give them a quick tip that they're going to be able to process and move on with. 
Because if I just sit there and talk with one person, if I talk to Susie for, for 10 minutes and our, we only serve for 12, then the rest of the people on the court don't get it. So we have to have it really quick. So what, I, what we did is we wrote down like return. We st- broke down the serve, the volley, right? A couple different strokes. So what we do is Tom would give his quick fix. I would give my quick fix. And then I pulled someone out from the, from the stands who was watching to come out and give me their quick fix. After we already went through ours, so they have time. Because I told them, I said, y'all, you're all USPTA professionals. You are a tennis professional. You know what you're doing. Trust yourself. Come on out. If not, I'll pick someone. I'll drag you out and I'll make you do it. Right. So I love that interaction and people really enjoyed it because they got to get out there and give a little bit of themselves. So and since say, we've it's got, okay. and let me interrupt, since we've got literally one minute left, cause we're yep. going five minutes over. If you've yep. got that one quick tennis tip, yep. and this will save Bobby from doing his today. If you've got you. one quick tennis tip that you could give without giving all the yep. other examples as to why it's good or connecting yep. to anything else. Yep. What's your, what would be your quick tennis tip that you would, that you would offer? Quick today? tennis tip. Perfect. With the ladies, we've been working a lot with the volleys, right? And I think one of the biggest problems that we have that I noticed with volleys is, especially with the forehand, a take back. They bring the racket back too far and they catch it behind them. So what I like to do is put them in a doorway, take the racket out of their hand, have them stand just beyond the doorway. I toss the ball to the racket hand. They have to bring their hand out and step through the doorway and catch the ball. And when they learn to do that, what happens is as the ball is coming to you, you would know as well as I do as a tennis professional, the ball comes it's the racket goes out to the ball, like you're going to catch it. And then you move to the ball. So that's, that's my, my quick tip is I, I take the racket out of their hand. I, if I can't bring them to the doorway, I do it right to the net, take the racket, put it in your left hand. I toss it to the right hand. They reach out and I catch it. And I got not put your racket in your hand, do the same thing. And it stops them from bringing the racket back. I like it. our first, our first two tennis tips on the podcast, both related to volleys. Oh, I'd much rather volley than hit grass strokes. You know how it goes. Yeah, Mr. Servant Volley. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Right. I'm going to give you my tip right, for the day is if yeah. you're a young tennis professional, go call Ken, get on his docket, go work for him. It is the best education you're going to get. As he talked about all aspects of the tennis business he's been involved in. Not only do you get the knowledge, it's a pleasure to work there and to be around a lot of fun and uh, continue to share the knowledge, my friend. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. You're I appreciate the best. your time, Ken. Thank you. Have a great weekend, my friend. Yes, you too. (laughs) Bye-bye now. Take care. See you, Ken. Well, there we go. We want to thank Rejuvenate for use of the studio. Be sure to check out Coach Jovi's online health and wellness studio at rejuvenate.com. That's R-E-G-E-O, as in G-O, R-E-G-E-O-V-I-N-A-T-E. Dot com. Check out our other episodes at atlantatennispodcast.com. Hopefully I don't have to spell that one out for you. Also find us on social media. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share, but mainly subscribe. Whether you listen to every episode or just want to listen periodically, you can subscribe in your podcast app, which helps us keep the show going. We always have promotions. And we'll keep you up to date with the latest happenings and upcoming events. And with that, we're out. Bobby, see you next time. Sean, good show. I look forward to having Ken on and again in the future.